This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in. It's good to be back. Uh, Really excited to speak today. I know not all of you are here yesterday. We're going to visit the same text again. The same text again. Good to have some of you here today. Um, I just was thinking, though, during worship, and I know this isn't maybe conventional, um, but that we're just singing, you hold it all. And um, I've been really struggling with, like, anxiety for the last four days. And it, like, really surprised me, like, I feel like a very put-together person in a lot of parts of my life, especially around the things that were giving me anxiety. It was like, these things didn't used to give me anxiety. Like, you know what I mean? These were things. There's other areas in my life, like parenting, lots of anxiety. That's normal. But the stuff that was, like, triggering for me, and it really had me low. Like, for, like, four mornings in a row, I was just waking up so low, like that dark cloud. And so I feel like maybe I turned a corner. I'm not sure. Um, But then I just couldn't help but wonder, like, how you're feeling, you know, and I have this, like, personal kind of prayer thing I do in the morning um, that I just want to share with you, and then I want to pray for you, and then we'll see how much time we have left for the message, and so here's sometimes what I do. If I can wake up before my kids are awake, (laughs) this morning at 6.10, by the way, uh, at 6.10, this is crazy, I'm, I I set my alarm for 6, and I was still in bed at 6.10, and I heard at full volume uh, my son who's sick singing, take me down to the hotel room. Full volume, full volume at 6.10 in the morning. So that's my home. I go into, my, into his room. I'm like, like, he shares a room with his sister. And his sister's sound asleep. He's singing full volume. I'm like, what do you do? Anyways. So every once in a while, if I can actually wake up before them, if I'm sitting in my living room, I will like close my eyes and I'll picture... Um, myself, and then my home. And I think about the kids in my home, my three children and my wife, Rach. And then I kind of go one step out, I think about the city of Langley, and then I think about the world. And then I go, and I try to picture it all. And then I think, God, for the last seven hours while I was sleeping, it didn't fall apart. And so God, help me just live today like that, like just, you're holding this, and there's like the mental understanding of like knowing theoretically that he's holding the world and holding us, but then there's the, what the Holy Spirit wants to do is make that an experienced reality in our hearts, that actually our senses are impacted by the reality that God is covering us, so can I just pray for us, and just ask the Holy Spirit, just maybe there's a few of you, like me, who've just been dealing with some anxiety, and I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and help us experience the reality of his holding it together. So maybe you close your eyes. You don't have to, but just maybe to find this moment. So Holy Spirit, just welcome you here. Just pray for each one, knowing how just anxiety creeps in and the stress that leads us just to constantly check our phone and check things and check things and check things and check things and and before we know it, we just find ourselves just so worked up 
that we can't sleep, and then we're tired, and we're more tired and more anxious. And God, just that cycle is just so painful. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray for rest, like actual sleep for my friends, but also like a restedness in our hearts. So, Holy Spirit, would you come right now, and would you just bring your peace to myself and to my friends? Jesus, you're called the Prince of Peace. And Spirit, we just need to know that up close right now. Come Holy Spirit, minister to the people that you want to minister to right now. Come alongside. One of the words for the Holy Spirit in the New Testament in Greek is called parakletos, which means the one who comes alongside. He comes alongside. You and me, Holy Spirit, we're doing this together. You and me, Holy Spirit, let's do this day together. Amen. Amen. So, we're looking at a passage of Scripture that's familiar. And anytime we're in a familiar passage of Scripture, and I realize that for some of you it's not familiar, and that's totally okay, but I just know that probably half this room grew up in a, in a church context, so you would have heard this story a number of times. It's the story of Zacchaeus, and if you are here yesterday, you heard it yesterday. And here's the danger with familiar texts. The danger with familiar texts is that we, we take the simplified version that we have from it, we carry it through every time we read it. And you, like me, might have grown up and been pitched a version of Christianity that is small. A version of Christianity that doesn't answer the most difficult questions of our human experience and the world around us. But what we see in this text, and what we see in the scriptures, what I found in like careful study of scripture is a worldview strong enough, robust enough, and nuanced enough to hold the most profound tensions of our human experience together. For example, think about our human experience, like the overwhelming awareness of beauty that we see, but then also the acute awareness of brokenness and suffering. How do you hold that intention? How about our sense of mortality, an awareness that, we, that, that life is fragile, and yet the sense that we have in our core that we were made for more than this world? How do you hold intention, the sheer joy we can experience in a relationship, and the sheer pain we can experience in relationships? How do we hold these things in tension? How do we hold intention, human's capacity for generosity, but then also human's capacity for such evil? And what I want you to know is that the scriptures have a worldview big enough, strong enough to hold these tensions together. And so as we enter this story with fresh eyes, I want to invite you to see that it answers the questions that we find in these deep waters. Yesterday we asked the question of the story, who's the primary seeker? In this story we see Zacchaeus climbing up a tree to seek to find Jesus. And we're invited to seek God. Part of the gospel is this. If you seek God, you will find him. All throughout human history, people have been seeking God. And Jesus came to say, you can find him. He has a name. He's not a mysterious force. He's knowable. But the gospel goes one step further. And it introduces us to the revelation that not only do we seek God, but he seeks us. Zach wants to see Jesus from a short distance. But the real mystery of this story 
is that Jesus wants to see him face to face. Humans want to see God from a short distance. God wants to see humans face to face. Let's read the text. It says this. He, talking about Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And yesterday we talked about this, this institution of tax collecting. And, and we really have to see um, how, how corrupt this, this role was. Because essentially what he did is he, he exploited his employees who exploited the people. So Zacchaeus would have been a Jewish man. But he, instead of working for his people, he worked for Rome, which was in power over his people. And so he was a traitor against his people. And he extorted his own people for his own profit. When I was preparing this message, I was chatting with my friend Jaden. He talked about how his grandparents were um, like strung along by a scam artist and they were robbed for $50,000. And he just talked about how much he hated this guy, who he doesn't know, who like robbed and preyed on the vulnerability of his grandparents. And when Jesus in the story picks Zacchaeus from the crowd, it's like Jesus picking the scam artist. And that does something for us. We love when Jesus goes after those who are oppressed and shows them special treatment. But in this story, Jesus is showing special treatment to the oppressor, the one who's oppressing vulnerable people. It says that Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not see because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. You see that? Jesus is saying, I'm not happy with you just seeing me from a distance. I'm coming into your home to eat with you. A symbol of intimacy and closeness. closeness. That's the scandal of the gospel. That God doesn't just want you to know him from a distance. He wants to know you. And you know him face to face. So it says that Zacchaeus hurried and came down and, 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 uh, and received Jesus joyfully. And when, he, when they saw it, they being the crowds, they all grumbled. He's gone to be the guest of a man who's sinner. And we know, we can understand why they're grumbling. Like, you're going to go to his house? This guy who's been robbing from us? And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. And so all of a sudden he says to this outsider, You're an insider. You're in. You have my family name. You're son of Abraham. For the son of man, Jesus talking about himself, came to seek and to save the lost. One of my briefs in coming to talk was to present the gospel. To present the gospel. And I found myself realizing that a lot of us have been told that the gospel is that Jesus came to save sinners so that we could go to heaven, not hell. And that's true. But it's not the whole picture. Like, it's not just about where you end up when you die. The gospel is about liberation. It's about setting people free, now and for forever. 
Jesus says, I've come to bring life and life that's full. He says that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And, he, and there's a prophecy about Jesus in Isaiah that he speaks for himself. That I've come to bring freedom for the captives. I am the great liberator. Jesus is the great liberator. And he wants to liberate you. He wants to make you free. But he doesn't want to just liberate you. He wants to liberate you and our world. That he, does, he saves us from our personal debt of sin, yes. And that is good, and that is wonderful, and that is beautiful, and that should make you want to jump around and dance around the room. He set us free from our sin. But he also broke the power of sin that holds us captive, and he systematically tries to take down and destroy the principalities of greed and lust that rule over our lands and cause abuse that holds people captive. There will be a day where Jesus will usher in the new heavens and the new earth and the principalities of greed and lust and injustice that move hearts towards oppressing people will be completely destroyed. And there will be no more oppression and no more injustice. There will be full liberation. When Jesus came to earth, he says the kingdom of God is at hand and it is coming. And so what we see in our lifetime is Jesus inaugurated a new era in human history where the inbreaking of the future liberty would find its way on earth. That's why Jesus went around casting out demons, healing people of being sick, a foretaste of a future reality. So first he wants to liberate Zacchaeus. We see Zacchaeus' response to Jesus is, here and now I, sell ha- I give away half my possessions, 50%. And if I've cheated anybody, I give them back fourfold. Here's what's not going on here. He's not earning God's love. Because that's just taking one type of captivity for another captivity. I would argue that Zacchaeus is a slave to a big oppressor called greed. That he's worshiping a god to find his comfort, his power, his status, whatever it might be, through wealth. And whether it's wealth or beauty or whatever it might be, there are things that we worship. And whenever we worship, we all worship. Whatever we worship, we will become a slave to. The question is, what have you found yourself a slave to? And so I would argue that Zacchaeus, well, an oppressor, is himself oppressed by greed. And Jesus comes to liberate him from those things. But if he just went from like being like tied up to greed and then finds a religious paradigm where he becomes a slave to a set of laws, he's no more free than he was before. What's fascinating, I wish I had more time to go in this, is Zacchaeus. It says that he gives 50% of his wealth. In the Old Testament, if you look around, you might conclude that the most generous Jews gave 20%. If you stole somebody, it says in the Old Testament, if you stole from somebody, you owe them back what you stole them plus one-fifth. There is one example that if you steal someone's ox, you got to give them four oxes back. And so it's as if Zacchaeus says, I see all of the highest requirements of the law, and I'm going to go way beyond it. Half my wealth, four times what I owe them. This is not him coming under the law. This is him being set free and liberated. And so often, we find ourselves, or we're invited to experience liberty through Jesus in the gospel, but we don't walk away from the things that hold us in bondage. There's a lot of discussion about, like, you know, is it faith or works? Like, is he saved here in this moment? Well, what do you mean by saved? 
like everything about Jesus proximating with him, I'm talking about the intimacy that Jesus has with him, is grace. Jesus enters into his life, his intimacy. But if you take any sort of activity in our own lives away from this conversation, you miss the whole plot. That he wants to invite him into intimacy with him and set him free from the life he was living. And so it's an invitation, like, you've come to my home. I've satisfied the longings of your heart. Now walk away from the old life. And that's what we see Zacchaeus doing. He's walking in liberty. He's been liberated from the grip of injustice, in the grip of greed. And he finds out, like, man, I don't need this stuff anymore. I don't need this money anymore. I don't need this wealth anymore. Why? Because he found what he was looking for. He found a better God. And we can be so casual with the things that hold us captive. Like our obsession with others' approval. Don't be casual about that. The way that like substance abuse or greed or the pursuit of like fulfillment through worldly things, like we can't be casual about those things. Those things are idols. As a youth pastor and as a traveling preacher and now as a pastor, I have these weird experiences where somebody will like hear a message and come up and hand me razor blades. What are they doing? They're breaking the idol. One time I had a girl hand me three garbage bags full of like witchcraft and Wiccan paraphernalia. And I'm like, what do I do with these bags, you know? So I called some friends and we threw them away and then we prayed over the dumpster. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I had a friend who was caught up so badly in pornography and probably 80% of this room is yourself. And one time in an emboldened moment, he broke his iPad and destroyed his laptop. What is that? That's destroying the idols. That's what Zacchaeus is doing. He's destroying the idols. Here's what's fascinating. Jesus liberates Zacchaeus. And as a result, he's liberating the city. You see that? He takes an oppressor changes his life. And the one who once extorted people for wealth is now given his wealth away. And that's why the gospel is about you going to heaven, but it's so much more. When I think about planting a church in Vancouver, or I think about Trinity Western students having four years of incubated time to draw near to God and then scattered around the world, I think, man, in the framework of the gospel of liberation, imagine the thousands of Trinity Western students scattered around the world living as ambassadors of the liberation of Jesus. That Jesus is going to come in the future and we'll see the full incarnation of justice. But in our time, we are invited to be liberated from and then partner with him in the liberation of the cities and worlds we're part of. Let me pray. Thank you, God, so much for our time together. Thank you for these minutes. Jesus, I thank you that you are the great liberator. And God, I pray that we would just get a taste of how real that is. And that we would have hearts that are enamored by destroying the idols and giving our lives, giving our lives to joining you and setting people free. Thank you, Jesus, that in your death, you broke the power of sin to separate us from you. Friendship with you is what we need. And God, you broke the power of sin 
to hold us captive. And so, God, I pray that we'd have the courage to begin to walk in freedom. And, God, you disarm the principalities that rule over the land. And, God, we long for the full revelation of your justice. And in this time, God, we give our hearts to partner with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.